0: The more I wrote, the better I seemed to get at it, and I also didn't, I didn't need to know how it was going to turn out. It was just one piece of the pie that I did every week, and it was my creative piece that really gave me life. And and, you know, I love my teaching, but this really set me afire.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nuskin. Do I have somebody very special on the line with us today? We've got the wonderful Jennifer Benson. How are you, Jennifer?
0: I'm great. Thank you, Rick. How are you? I'm
1: exceptionally well. I always like to say I have two feet and a heartbeat and I have nothing to complain about. But uh, Jennifer, you have an incredible story to share. Uh, with the my future business audience now um, there was a time in my own life I have to say that I was lacking direction and I think we all go through this and uh, on this call today for everybody's with us we're going to be unpacking uh, Jennifer's life in terms of looking at her what she uh, fondly terms her inner ding but um, just so you know Jennifer is also the author of her memoir beautiful possibilities and we're going to take a deep dive into that but um, before we go into the the core of the call Jennifer I'd love to learn a little bit more about um, your rich life your experience thus far would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself with the my future business audience
0: I'd love to, Rick. I, um, I am uh, not only a writer, uh, and we're working on my memoir for the last four years, but I am an English as a second language teacher in New York State, upstate New York. I'm more of a country girl. Yep. <laughs> and back in about 2002, I decided to uh, take the leap, listen to my inner ding and my inner voice, and uh, teach in an international school um, over in Kuwait. Uh, My sister was already over there teaching, and there was an opening, and I just thought, you know what, life was pretty stagnant back then, and I think I needed to shake things up a little bit. And fortunately, uh, everything worked out so that I could take the leap. I looked for the signs and followed that inner voice and took that massive leap into a brand new life abroad. And then about in 2014, I moved back home again.
1: Oh, okay. So you're currently in upstate New York. Is that correct? Yes. Fantastic. Now, what was the what was the second language? Um,
0: Second language over in Kuwait?
1: Yes. No, in terms of, uh, yeah, it's Arabic. Um, Is that what you you said here that uh, you're an English and as a second language teacher? Is that what you Yeah, right? Fantastic. How did you find the the culture over in the Middle East?
0: Well, you know, I found it exciting for the longest time. I think it really resonated with me just because of the adventure of it. And, and at times, I think it was uh, challenging to, you know, I think you have to kind of conform a little bit to a new religion and um, a new country, and at times you might feel invisible. But at other times, I was teaching at a school with over kids from over 20 different countries, so we had lots of different languages. And I like the uh, open-mindedness of the children that I taught. And I like the open-mindedness of the teachers that I worked with. And they were from mainly United States and Canada. So I think there was a lot of positives with it. And it really changed the way that I view life as well. So, but I think, you know, one thing about Kuwait as well is it's really tied to the um, Islamic. Um, religion so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of learning about that and especially during Ramadan and customs and what you were allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do how you needed to dress and to be respectful and you might not be able to always you know do what you want to do or wear what you want to wear but um for me it was I was okay with it because I um I I enjoyed my time over there so much that I just looked at it as well. I guess it's something that I have to do, you know, to stay here.
1: Yes, know? fantastic. Um I yeah. I know I know that you've done uh, some work with the United States Embassy. What was that like?
0: Well, yeah, they um contacted me. I have we had a teacher liaison um at Cutter Academy where I worked during my last couple years um working over, abroad in Qatar and they contacted me about training um public teachers, public school teachers, because I was at a private international school, and there was a need in Qatar to train public school teachers on in different areas of education, so you could sign up for one area that you really wanted to Use for your training and how to train them. So, I was able to teach them in a couple different areas, and it was quite enjoyable. And I love doing professional development. So, but yeah. <laughs> and at the end, and at the end, they give you this nice certificate, and and it was really fabulous. And it was an honor to be, uh, you know, selected to do something like that. And it was affiliated, like I said, more with with my school and just yeah. trying to find teachers finding teachers that were willing to um, do that professional development.
1: You know, it's, so, uh, it it's, it's, in, it's interesting because you've obviously traveled abroad quite a bit. Uh, you've been involved with NISA educational organizations in Thailand and Greece. Um, what was that like? Was this just an extension of the previous work you had done or was it much different?
0: That was in, when I was in Kuwait and they also had that in Qatar as well. But mm-hmm. when I was in Kuwait, I actually was chosen there to present different workshops. So I think there was three teachers every year that were selected to go. And the school was really great about funding your trip and you were representing the school. So you were able to go to these countries wherever, every year it was different about, you know, where it was located, this big spring workshop. So I was lucky in that one year I was at Thailand and another year it was at Athens, Greece. So you just go there and you get to present and uh, the school paid for your housing and for your registration, which was great. And the nice thing about it, there was a it was over spring break, but there was this nice buzz of working with educators and doing something that you're passionate about. And you didn't even care that you gave up your spring break because you're... <laughs> I'm in Thailand. This is great. And I get to work with educators and doing things that I love. And we get to talk to each other about where the great schools are overseas and what your school's like, what my school's like. And there's just like that buzz. And I really love that about working overseas. Uh,
1: Talking about a buzz, you clearly have a a great level of energy (laughs) about you. Um, I'd love to know now um, when we talk about um, our life's journey, sometimes we don't have this direction. And you took a blind leap of faith essentially uh, at. Some point in your life, um, this is obviously tied back to the memoir that you wrote, "Beautiful Possibilities." Can we go back, I guess, to a a point in time where you were lacking that direction, and maybe help us understand how this memoir came about?
0: Sure. Well, the first point was was I was working in upstate New York teaching, and. I liked it, but I kind of felt something was missing. And my sister, since she was already in Kuwait teaching, she would send home postcards and these trips to Dubai and these dinners under the stars and these beautiful colored tents and getting uh, Hannah on her arm, you know, a applied yeah. on her arm. And I'm like, this is really something. And then I kind of got thinking about my life and I'm like, wow, what if, you know, I were to do something like that. And then I kind of like just kind of tucked that away. And I'm like, well, now it's not the time. And I had a 10 year relationship with a College boyfriend, and Mm -hmm. uh, quite frankly, (laughs) I I guess you know, 10 years it really wasn't going anywhere. Uh, So then, you know, I there happened to be um, within a few months of my sister being over there, there was an opening. And she got a hold of me and she said, you know, Jen, there's an opening for both the um, English as a second language, both in the elementary and in the middle school. And if you're interested, I could pass your resume along to our superintendent. You know, that's kind of how things work over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know about that. And, and you know, I I gave it some thought. And then I'm like, you know what, let's just go for it and just see. And I think what really gave me the green light. Of course, I was... You know, following my inner voice, and I look for these green lights, and I'm like, okay, universe, if you want me to do this, you have to show me some signs that it's the right leap, it's the right path to take right now, because I had that long-term boyfriend, and I just got hired at another um, teaching school, and it was a great school. So I think somehow along the line, the idea came into my head, like, why don't you just ask for a sabbatical, like a one year leave from your school and just see what they say? Because Mm -hmm. the contract in Kuwait was for uh, two years, but she was the superintendent was willing to give me one year. So there was another green light. So I asked my school in upstate New York. uh, They had to go to the Board of Education, but I got approved for it. And I think that was the final green light. And I'm like, okay, I have, I can come back to my job after a year if I don't like it. I, I think I was pretty covered, and it made me feel more secure about taking that leap. I needed that security. I think.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing. We we tend to get comfortable in our lives, don't we? In our safe spaces, and um, we forget that you know this is not life is not a dress rehearsal. We only get one crack at this, and you yeah. know that you the last thing you want to do is leave this earth with a pile of regret was how was it that moment that you got on that that plane and you went to that new place what was your sense of adventure like how did you feel at the time
0: I was a little bit scared because my sister. I was going over with the newbie teacher, the the new teacher. So I would be there a week in Kuwait without my sister, and then she would join us the following (laughs) week. So that first week, I was really scared because Missy wouldn't have been there, you know. But at the same time, there was never that thought when I was on that plane ride. I had to fly from Syracuse to Washington D.C. to Frankfurt, and then over to Kuwait. And there was never a time where I'm like, I don't think I should have done this. And I think that was very helpful. I. I'm just like I guess I just got to go. I'm already on the plane. I, I have to keep going uh you know and I met some people in frankfurt because we had to wear a badge saying you know our school name <laughs> we could kind of find each other yeah so I think we you, you meet up with a couple people and I think you're like I'm just I just like I have to keep going forward there's no going back and I think if I had gone backwards that would have been worse. And that was another feeling that I was um, looking at before I went overseas. Should I stay or should I go? The feeling of staying behind was more uh, suffocating than it was to take that leap. So there was definitely no going back.
1: This is an inspirational story because I know a lot of people (laughs) just don't get into that first gear, you know, get out the door, take that first step. And then the next, then the next they think, too much about making these decisions where you've just got these green lights and you've gone for it. It's, it's wonderful. Um, what's happened since then? And um, in terms of uh, uh, your book work, are you still writing?
0: Well, yeah, I'm all done with the book. I had it content edited this summer and I recently just started getting it sent out to agents. So, And it's just very recently that I had to get my proposal together and everything. But the funny thing about it is I've already had... I think about six interviews for it. So those are really good signs, more, you know, green lights from the universe that I'm on the right pathway and I just know that it will go where the universe wants it to go. So I'm not really too worried about it. But I had been working on it for the last 4 years. Um, you know, I've been teaching full-time so trying to get that, you know, how that works, but Yeah. So I I know that something will happen with it. I don't know what, but I know something will happen.
1: (laughs) You're just trusting your gut and your intuition is telling you all lights are green. So it's a wonderful thing. Now, um, I'd like to unpack, I guess, the journey as an author. You you mentioned four years. That's a quite a long time, but I guess in a memoir sense, it it maybe isn't. Did you find that, uh, I guess, that writing process difficult or did it come naturally for you?
0: You know, uh, Rick, actually, you know, you start this thing out and I was looking at my journal articles that I wrote from overseas, especially in the last few years. The last few years when I was in Qatar, it just never felt right and I knew I needed to come back home and I finally took that leap back home again and I kept my journal articles and I was looking at them I'm like, I'm just going to start writing something and I don't know the big picture yet. I didn't even know it was going to be a memoir. But I started writing a little bit more detailed about okay, what if I talked about this journey about how I decided to go overseas, what that li- life was like as an expat and a woman, and then that decision to come back home again. So there, uh, so what if I wrote about it? So I think you, yeah, you take this journey on about you know writing. The more I wrote, the better I seemed to get at it. And I also didn't, I didn't need to know how it was going to turn out. It was just one piece of the pie that I did every week. And it was my creative piece that really uh, kind of gave me life. It was, uh, you know, my livelihood. And, and, you know, I love my teaching, but this really set me afire. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't even have to know where it was going to go or lead to. If I could do 10 minutes a day or an hour a day or two hours or three hours on the weekend, but I just showed up. Yeah. And I did a little bit at a time and then it finally, and then it goes where it needs to go. And then you get better and better at the writing. I think you're in this co-partnership with the universe where they're like, okay, let's do this. You're into this. You're showing up every day. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know that we have a, you know, a, a range of different listeners. We have book own, uh sorry, we have business owners, entrepreneurs, and aspiring book authors. Um, did, you, did you find that you needed help in terms of the final editing and actually making it come together? What was that side of the, the book process like?
0: Yeah, I did two different things. I joined a group called Quantum Leap, which is actually um, out of Pennsylvania. And it's Jack Canfield, who wrote all the Chicken Soup of the Soul books. It's his marketing marketing, um, firm, I guess, or whatever you want to say. So they take you on for a year and they'd help you market it and publish. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they never really talked about content editing so and going through and really making sure that things sound right and make sense. So I hired my old high school English teacher who had published three books? <laughs> she went through my whole book this summer, and everything. And she left everything in black ink um, on my um, on the computer. I guess my my Microsoft Word copy that was fine. The text that was in black was fine. The stuff that she highlighted in green needed more conversation, more dialogue, more showing. And then the stuff in blue that she highlighted was wow, this is great. So it just took me a long time to go through all that and add more dialogue. So what started off as 300 pages ended up being over 380 Wow. because i had to add in all that dialogue but i guess it's just a long story it covers 14 years and i guess there was more to say than i thought
1: <laughs> yes of course and uh all worthy of being in there no doubt now i'm you're on a mission to help anyone who needs a push in their life, you know, they've lost that direction, they, they have certain fears that are holding them back. Um, you took this leap of faith. Now, what do you say to people who are locked away and they're, they're I guess, in their, their jail of the mind, if you like, and they're not willing to make that decision? What is the catalyst that you would share with them to make them take that first step?
0: Yeah, I think the first thing is there's an an awareness that that you want something more or something different in life. And then you just, I kind of handed it over to universe and I say, okay, I'm feeling these things. I'm curious about something. I'm interested about something. Show me what the next step is. Maybe show me the signs. And the signs tend to come up when it's right. And don't be afraid of you know one thing about myself i did not know how this whole thing was going to play out going to the middle east was never the vision that i (laughs) i had for myself when i was in high school or college or throughout my 20s i didn't go over there until i was 31 yeah so it just was never part of the vision i had for myself but at the same time i took the leap and i did not worry about how long am I going to be over here? What's it going to look like? Do I need to know everything that's going to happen ahead of time? No, I just kind of went along and handled it as I went. and. I think that was the key. You don't need to have, and just like with my memoir as well, you don't need to have it all figured out. You get curious about something and you ask the universe to show you more signs or to take what step do I need to take next. And it seems to come about, uh, you know, and it, the universe has a way of showing you. And then you get deeper into it and deeper into it and more and more pathways seem to, you know, pop up. You know, and I like I said, you don't need to have the whole picture. You just start. You just kind of. I I always use this term, chip away at it. Yes. I was chipping. Away, I was chipping away at this book, and when I say chip away at it, there's no pressure because I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't even know it was going to be a book at the time, but it was something I dabbled in because I I wanted that creativity piece in my life. Or, you know, you might want something different or a job change or a career change, and I just kind of got curious about what I wanted to do, and I asked for the signs, and I looked for the green lights. Once I asked for the signs, I looked for those coincidences, those, you know, the, the green lights, the thumbs up, just to kind of show me, and then... There's
1: there's a little bit of there's a little bit of um, life by design, but there's also a little bit of um, allowing the universe to bounce you around a little bit. Is there a balance between the two? Do you think?
0: I think so. You know, like sometimes, uh, you know, it's you might even think you're doing the wrong thing. When I first came home, you know, I met my ex-husband. David overseas. He took my sister's job over when she was teaching middle school French and David Mm -hmm. and I were together for over 10 years overseas And it got and we were married and it got to that point where I'm like, I don't want to do this I need to go back home again and that was into my 14th year and he's like well I need to stay overseas Mm -hmm. So then I, I had to take that leap back home and I knew what a sacrifice it was, and I knew that there might be loss involved, and we tried to make a long distance thing work out, but it it just didn't after a couple years, but at the same time, you're filled at times, you know, and and it's natural to have fear and to know that, oh my gosh, I might lose David over this, I might, I'm going to have to sacrifice some things, but I think part of that is propelling you into something that's a better fit for you and, and a better way of life for you because ultimately I'm happier than I've ever been. And, you know, as much as I love my overseas, <laughs> it just kind of wore it wore itself out and I changed. My perspectives changed and my values changed and I wanted to be back home again with family. But, you know, but there might be times when you feel like I really, and you second guess yourself. Because it's hard or because it's challenging, but that doesn't mean you're on the wrong track. I know with me, I just had to wait it out and just see, and I, you know, and I could always change course down the road if I really, really felt it. But I think I needed to give it that time that it deserved. There's some know. sage
1: advice in there, you know, um, you know, just resetting each and every day. You've talked about some of the life challenges that you've faced, but one of the most significant that I, at least I see through your bio is the 2004 tsunami. Uh, were you there and what was that like? I can only imagine. Yeah,
0: Dave- <laughs> well, David and I were there that morning. You know, the, the previous few mornings, we were in Raleigh, which is off from Krabi in southern Thailand, and we had gone out kayaking to so these little tiny pieces of, oh. I don't know, like rock <laughs> out in the water. But the day of the tsunami, the 26th, I believe it was, we would woken up. We had up late, thank goodness, because we're early risers, and we got down to the beach. Everyone was looking out. We were getting ready to have breakfast, and David took off to go visit a dive shop, and then people were just headed down. I thought there was a beached animal or something. I'm like, what is going on? The water had (laughs) receded back. The water receded back, and it was building this wall, and nobody knew what it was, so people were really going far out there, out into where the uh, the boats and stuff were beached, and uh, just trying to scratch their head wondering what it was, but I looked behind me and I heard some Thai waitresses crying like I knew something was not right and You get these little hints and these little clues once again and finally one of the first waves I think there was like three of them that were mm-hmm. really big. We didn't—we had known there was an earthquake No one knew so the first wave came in and a dive instructor Was down there on the beach and she finally came out of her little shop and she said run Run. run. You got to run. You got to oh, get out of here. She was the only one that recognized that. I never would have because, you know, in upstate New York, we just don't have those things. And it, no. you know, it's just, I was not familiar with it. And, you know, so people did start to run. But, um, yeah, nobody knew, you know, and luckily we ran up to higher ground where our hotel was. So we kind of already knew the pathway. But, yeah. but we lived through that. But like if it wasn't for her, You know, I don't know if we would have been around. And and, um, the strange thing was, too, once we got back to Kuwait, we actually went on a television show there called Starting Over because one of David's students at school, his father, you know, it's how these schools are. My father owns, you know. So we went on the show to talk about it. But yeah, and I don't think I've ever really quite gotten over it. It's one of those things where you're like, okay, I did I go through that? Yeah, oh, I guess I was through that.
1: It's, it's a dream, isn't it? And you know what? I believe that there are angels walking this earth and uh, this particular one came your way that day. Now, um, yeah. in terms of the Beautiful Possibilities memoir, I'd love to unpack that a little more in terms of your, I guess your highlights in that work what are some of the stories in there that you share that really stick out for you?
0: I think uh, you know that first year in Qatar, or in, sorry, in Kuwait, was a big one. That was a year that I was with my sister, uh, and we uh, we traveled together for the first time. We went to Thailand and Cambodia, and that was a big deal. Um, but also, when right when we got back after Christmas the whole Gulf War thing started um, happening again. So right at that point, uh, you know, we were afraid of Iraq invading. And so the school was trying to figure out where to send all of its teachers because there came a point where the American embassy said you need to leave. So they were thinking about shipping us all off to Sri Lanka, but we actually got sent back home to our point of origin. So we came back to upstate New York, and just going through that whole thing, and you know, wondering if you're ever going to go back to Kuwait again. A lot of teachers quit. Yeah. Even our our principal quit. uh, You know, and. Finally, I think after about a couple months, um, one of the malls had gotten hit with a Silkworm missile and I think two days later the school was like, okay, everybody back, it's fine. Uh. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, so of course my parents did not want their daughters going back over there, but Missy and I didn't really have a choice. I had decided to return to Creighton in the fall, I knew I had to go back, um, and if we didn't go back we wouldn't have gotten paid through the end of the year and, you know, and into the summer, so it's mm-hmm. kind of financial it's crazy as it sounds i felt like if we didn't go back not that it would be failure but i just didn't feel right about it i felt better going and you know than that but there was that chapter that i think was pretty powerful and of course the tsunami chapter was pretty powerful but just about meeting different people meeting my husband over there and what that life was like being over there with somebody and living and being married and also i think um You know, I had to start my first year when I transferred out of Kuwait, I transferred into, I call it a naughty boy school. I know that sounds horrible, but (laughs) it was a a military school for boys, grades six through 12. and. I remember when I was in Kuwait. I'm like, I just want to get paid for my stress because we were making like thirty-five thousand a year, which wasn't really a whole lot. And we had a tutor. We were, if we wanted to travel, we tutored. Yeah. So we would get double our salary. I think we were making like seventy grand at these schools. But the problem was when we got down there, I didn't know it was so crazy. So yeah, I got paid for my stress, all right. And and just talking about what that looked like. I mean, there was no. Um, you know, like these are boys coming from public schools that didn't know you had to ask permission to leave the room or raise your hand or they came in tardy all the time uh. and fighting amongst each other. And <laughs> I remember one of them broke a cereal bowl over another one's head and cra- and smashed it. And it was, it was made out of porcelain or whatever, you know, because they lived there and they, it was a boarding school during the week. So it was just... You know and I think it was just a very different experience so it's kind of like one of those things what have I gotten myself into and that whole year took up about 40 pages of my my memoir because it was so crazy yeah and yeah I think that whole year was just really something but and also just that decision about taking a leap over and what does it take to come back home to New York again you know and how do you know when that's the right decision you know, and what life, what happened to me once I came home, it's almost like the the world opened up. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a flower blossoming back up. It happened when I first went overseas. And, and it then happened it happened, happened again, home. once I came home, and I knew I was on the right track, but it did take a few months. Because it I can, I can
1: imagine you waking up on that first day when you arrived back in New York, and you step foot outside and you're thinking, hang on, I'm in a completely different world.
0: Yeah. And I don't have to get back on that plane again in August. Every (laughs) August. I remember in August, yeah, the last few years, I'd have to go back kicking and screaming. I just did not want to leave, you know, the green, the nature, the community, you know, uh, my friends, my family. And and I I started thinking, why am I doing this? You know, and I hung on for David, you know, about four extra years. And I think I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And finally, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. You know, it was. This yeah. is so this
1: has been a wonderful call The the insights to just how we should, I guess, navigate our way through life and get, give it give ourselves direction is just inspirational. Thank you so very much for sharing now. Well, um,
0: thank you, Rick.
1: Yes. No, no problems at all. I, I wonder, are you putting pen to paper again? in the future
0: oh I definitely something else will come my way there'll be another <laughs> inner ding
1: <laughs> there'll well, be
0: another inner ding and then I'll you know get inspired to do something so I'm I haven't also, decided yet but. I,
1: I'm also looking um at uh, the fact that you had been published on uh, Dr. Susan Jeffers website feel the yeah. fear and do it anyway can you tell us a little bit about that part of the experience for you
0: yeah, she was a major uh, influence on me when I was in my struggling in Qatar. I found her book on Amazon and I got the Kindle version of it. And she talked about how how whole is your life. So she had these nine squares mm-hmm. and, she, and you, you put in, how do you spend your time during the week? What are the things that really matter to you? And I looked at my squares <laughs> and I had David, work, working out and exercising at work and friends from work i'm like oh and going to the mall and getting pedicures and i'm like this just isn't fulfilling anymore other than david i'm like what am i doing you know so i knew that there were a lot of things you know and I went overseas to pay off college loans and to travel and to see the world and, to, you know, and to get away from the 10-year relationship that wasn't going anywhere. I kind of wanted a break from that, which I got, mm-hmm. but then by the end, you know, like where's community where you see, you feel invisible a lot of the time being in another country and that yeah. kind of hung on for all 14 years. So I wanted the family again. My parents were in their seventies. I wanted nature. I wanted pine trees. I wanted fall <laughs> and the changing of the leaves and I'm like I need those things in my life again my values are very different so she got me to you know really think about coming home and then I contacted her husband and told him about, you know, um, my book. And he wants, he's like, oh my God, I want to read it because Susan's in there a lot, especially toward the end. And then he told me about her website. And he said, we do a field the fear and do it anyway story every month. You got to write it up and send it in. So I did, and then they kept it on there for three months. So wow. I'm really honored that they kept it on that long. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you that so much. That's
1: so nice. Uh, there, yeah. there is just so much to unpack in this uh, wonderful life journey that you're experiencing. I, I wonder when people, want to um, find you and they want to purchase this memoir where are they going to find it
0: well you know initially I think the best place to start is on my Facebook author page so it's Jennifer Benson author so that would be a great start and I have a website uh, Jennifer Benson author on GoDaddy Mm-hmm. You can find me on there. I think if you just Google me and put Jennifer Benton author, I think those things will come up. But my Facebook page and my GoDaddy page are probably my two that I use a lot, and then I use my um, Instagram. So that's Jen Ben one <laughs> two three. I
1: love it. Great. <laughs> so <that's> my Instagram.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I mean, I'm out there. So, and then once my book comes out, uh, we're gonna you know I'll have it on Amazon. But I think you know leading up to it, I think those are the best places to you know get the information about it and see what's going on with it you know and
1: definitely keep
0: my fingers crossed yeah it's going to be an
1: inspirational read no doubt now i'm going to make sure for everybody who's on the call with us today that you have links back to jennifer it doesn't matter if it's facebook instagram or her website you will find links back to jennifer no matter where you see this wonderful interview and with that being said jennifer i'd just like to stop and say thank you so very much for spending some time with me on the my future business show today
0: rick thank you so much for having me on today i'm so thankful thank you so much